but Romans chapter 3, we got down about verse 27. We'll back up just a minute before we start there. And uh, finish in the first section, that section of sin and the guilt of all mankind from the Gentiles in the world to the Jews in the midst of the church and how that all by the law were concluded as sinners, as guilty, in danger of the judgment before God by the law. And now the righteousness of God has been revealed. So the law was completely ruled out as a means for you and I to have righteousness. The purpose of the law and you know the giving of the law, God didn't give the law with hopes that man would keep that. God gave the law that man would become guilty and look for a remedy to the sin that was in their life. And God manifested, He revealed righteousness without the law, He says in verse 21. That being the work of Christ Jesus, that man could obtain righteousness. That that God wrought by His hand. So in verse 25, set him forth to be a propitiation. So that word, atonement, it's the same word as mercy seat uh, and pictures of the Old Testament sacrifices. But in that, there is the wrath of God being placed and carried by Jesus Christ so that the wrath of God towards me for my sin, Jesus bore that, paid for that, made atonement for that, that God and I could have peace with one another through the work of the cross. And he says in 26, to declare at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So that God can save sinners, God can save those that have transgressed the law, those that have a sentence of death and destruction upon their life, God's able to save them justly because the penalty of the law has been carried out. He's not skirted justice, but the Lord Jesus bore the penalty of the law in full for the transgression of man and the justifier. So God is the means of justification, declaring as innocent or just. God is the one that justifies mankind, and nothing that man does brings about that justification. It is God, He is just, and the justifier of them that believe, them that come to Christ, God justifies by His power. So verse 27, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So where is boasting then? If God's means of salvation is that I broke the law and I was guilty and God sent His Son and His Son bore the wrath of that, bore the wrath of my sin, tasted death for me and paid the penalty that I could be atoned for 
and that I could have peace with God and God is the means of my justification, then where is boasting? At what point could I boast in myself for something that I've done or accomplished? It's excluded. That word means shut out, closed out. There's no place for man to boast in himself or to take pride in anything that he's done for his justification because the truth is he's had nothing to do with his justification before God. In Ezekiel chapter 16, Ezekiel 16, verse 62. And I will establish my covenant with thee, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, that thou mayest remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame, when I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done, saith the Lord. So the Lord says, I'm going to do a work, you're going to know that I'm the Lord and you're not going to open your mouth about your goodness or righteousness anymore. Another place in Ezekiel in 36. Ezekiel 36 verse 31. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. So these that God has justified, where does that leave them? It leaves me in a place that I'm ashamed for what I was before the work of God took place. And the God's truth, I'm ashamed of what I've been after the work of God took place in my life, realizing this, that the only hope that we have of ever being right with God lies in the work of Jesus Christ. That all I can do is work a, a failure. All that I can do is flop and come short and sin and fail by my own strength. That's all that man is able to produce. And the only hope that we have of having peace between us and God is only through the work of Christ Jesus. If it was up to me, if there was a cleansing of the plate at salvation and now I have a responsibility to keep it and to do well in order to maintain my salvation, then in I, I'm not going to speculate how long it, it wouldn't be a day. I would fail, my peace between God and myself would be gone, and I would have more sin on my plate that I would have to pay for. Thank God it's not a salvation that depends on us in the least bit. There would never be peace with a salvation that depended on our works. But God made a way for man to be justified through Christ with boasting excluded. No place for man to boast in himself. By what law? Of works? Now if, if there was part works for me to do, again, for my justification, for my salvation, 
then I would have a place that I could boast in something that I've done. If, you know, and, and I've, I've thought this way in the past of my life, if God's offering salvation and it's up to me to come and I come and you don't, then I can boast over you. I've got a place that I can say, well, I'm thankful I believed it and they, they didn't believe it. But justification is the work of God in the lives of those that He calls. And boasting is included. The law and my deeds has nothing to do with my justification before God. Because again, by the law, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That was the last verse of the section where Paul's dealing with sin. That's chapter 3, verse number 20. So there is no justification by the deeds of the law because man cannot keep the law. Justification is in Christ. And where is boasting? It's excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Because this salvation is by faith. And now faith, there's a, a wide view and mostly wrong view of what faith is. Just a belief, just a thought in the head. The devils believe and tremble. There's more to it than I just believe. Faith is that that comes by the hearing of the Word of God. Not a hearing with the ears, because many hear with the ears, and you would agree they don't have faith. But faith is that that comes when God grants a man or a woman, just as He says in Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Now, would you agree a lot of people's heard those words, hear, but as far as to hear that Word of God for themselves, a much smaller number. So this faith is that that's granted by the power and by the Holy Ghost of God to allow a man to hear what the Word of God is saying to them individually. That God enables a man to hear the gospel. God speaks to that person and faith is produced from God speaking to them. See, that's totally opposed to what you hear today. But by the book, the faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So God's doing the giving. God's doing the convincing. God's doing the drawing. God is granting the faith. God is justifying the sinner. And we've done nothing and had no part in that work. So where's boasting? It's excluded because this is not by works. This is by faith in the operation of God. This is by me coming in submission to God who is drawing.
Therefore we conclude. So here is the conclusion. What can we say at the end of all this? Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So a man that's going to be justified with God is justified by faith and faith alone. And your deeds according to the law have absolutely nothing to do with your justification. So that any boasting whatsoever in what you did and what you've done that has no bearing on whether you're justified with God or not. And all that you hear, well, well, I've done this my whole life, and I've done that my whole life, and I've never done this in my entire life. All of those things, they sound good to the flesh, but justification is without the deeds of the law. The law has no part in whether a man is just and holy in God's eyes or not. Now man wants to have a part. Man wants to co-participate with God, but not for justification. It's by faith alone. In the work of Christ alone. By the grace of God alone. You didn't have faith before God saved you. You didn't have faith before God spoke to you. But God spoke to you and you started believing something at that moment that you never believed before then. I believed I was lost. I'd never believed that before. Where did that come from? That was a gift from God. God delivered that to me Freely, not because I'd done anything by the law. All I'd done was break the law. But God delivered faith to me as a gift that I could see my need for the redemption that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. A man is justified by faith in Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 38. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now listen to this work of God in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins is preached and by Him all that believe are justified from all things. Does that leave any place? Well now, if you get saved, you're not going to be justified from this. You're not going to be justified from what you do after. And there are certain sins you can commit after salvation that you're going to have to pay for and deal with. That is not what God teaches. But God teaches that those who put their trust and faith and belief in the work of Christ only, they are justified from all things. And the law of Moses could never justify man. 
Though I may have kept half of it, I broke half of it. And I'm guilty. But through Jesus Christ, God made a way that the wicked could be just and holy in His sight, escaping the wrath of God through Christ bearing that on His back to the cross. He says in Psalms, uh, a wonderful verse, Psalm 85, and we're all familiar with it. We've all heard it many times. This will hearken back as well to God being the just and the justifier. In 85 verse 10, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So you think about the meeting here that David is picturing that mercy and truth. Well, the truth is man's guilty. The truth is that man's broken God's righteousness. And the truth is that the wrath of God is hovering over him. But you know at the cross, mercy, mercy for you and I, and the wrath and the truth of God, they met together in Jesus Christ. Righteousness and peace. Now, the righteousness of God, a standard that is unattainable by man. Man is unable to attain a life that is righteous with God. But the righteousness of God and peace with man was met together. God made a way that the unrighteous and the unholy could be justified and have peace. And all of that happened at the cross. All of our hope rests at the cross and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And outside of Him, we've got nothing to boast in. And outside of Him, there's no justification for anybody. Because justification is by faith without the deeds of the law. You had nothing to do with your justification and still today you have nothing to do with your justification. When God saves a man or a woman and they are indeed born again and brought into the family of God, nothing they can do can make them any better. Nothing they can do can make them any more just. Think about what that's saying. That you're going to improve on what Christ has done. That you're going to make better the salvation that Christ has done. People are hung up on works. And I understand why. We want people to do better. We want people to live better. We want them to come to church more. But harping on works is not the way to do that. This is a work of God in Jesus Christ. And a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. In Galatians chapter 2, verse number 16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now Paul says it three times in one verse. There is no other way for man 
to be right with God other than to be saved and born again through the work that our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. Boasting and works is excluded. In verse 29, Is He the God of the Jews only? Is He not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So remember now, we've been dealing with Jew, Gentile, and in this day the belief that the Jews were saved, the Gentiles were not, the Jews could be saved, just about any way you placed it. The Jew looked at themselves as above and better than the Gentiles. And if we're not careful, that happens right here. That people in church look at the world and think that they're somehow or in some way better than what's out in the world. That's, that's the nature of man. That's the way this mind works. But the truth is, there's only one difference between somebody born again in the church and them that's out in the world. Do you know what that difference is? That the grace of God appeared to you, plucked you out of sin, and placed you in the kingdom. Who maketh thee to differ? Paul says to the Corinthians. Who makes you different than anybody else? It's God that worketh. And if it were not for the grace of God, we'd be in danger of the same wrath that those in the world are in danger of because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are guilty and all are in need of the same redemption. So is God the God of this people only? Is He the God of the Baptists only? Is He the God of Christians only? Is God not the supreme divinity and in control and have authority over every man, every nation, every race, every creed, every color, and not just man, but He's got dominion over the winds and the seas and the earth and the trees and the animals and the devils as well. All's under Him. So the same God then, seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. So now here, how's people going to be saved? The exact same way. He says in another place that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's only one means for man to be right with God. There's not many. It's not all roads lead to heaven. It's not there's different ways for different people in different times. But one God is going to justify both the Jew and the Gentile the same way through faith. And the crowd today that would teach you that the Jew, the blood descendant from Abraham, is saved because they're a blood descendant from Abraham, I don't know how you respond to this verse because the Gentile is going to be justified by faith and the Jew is going to be justified the same way by faith to the same God. How is a man right with God? It's got nothing to do with how they live. A man is right with God 
through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now, I realize, I realize you say, well, you're opening doors to let people live however they want to. And that door is not open in the least bit. We're here in the book of Romans. In chapter 6, we'll deal with the regenerated life and the new creature that's a result of this work. But it's important to know that the new creature is not for justification, but that is a result, a fruit of justification. The work of God is what justifies a man, and the changed life is a result of the work of God. Not I'm working to be justified. And that's what he's saying here, that one God shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision. So here's a question. Do we then make void the law through faith? So does this faith then void out, and that word means to render entirely idle or useless, does this way of faith render the law entirely idle? Well, this is the answer that he gives here. God forbid, yea, we establish the law. So what is it then that voids the law? Faith does not void the law. And I hope that the Lord will let us cover that very well. But this is what voids the law. In Jeremiah chapter 8, we'll look at one place in the Old Testament, one in the New. We could look over and over and over again. Jeremiah 8 verse 8, How do you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what wisdom is in them. So here, here is a scribe that's copying the law of the Lord, and he's copying it in vain. You know why? Because the people here are saying, we're wise, and we're good, and the law of the Lord is with us. It supports us, and it backs us. In Matthew, we'll look one more place. Matthew chapter 15. Now here they are. The disciples are picking corn. They're eating with unwashed hands. And the Pharisees are upset. This is what the Lord says in Matthew 15, verse number 6. And honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So they had took the law, honor thy father and mother, and twisted it in a way that they could not honor their father and mother and yet still be justified in their own mind. So what voids the law? He says here, you've made the commandment of none effect. That means to invalidate. They have invalidated the law of God by skirting around its righteousness. What invalidates the law is for man to take it and justify himself 
using the law, finding himself to be right in God's eyes by taking the law, by using it as a measuring stick and saying I'm better than other people and I've done more of the commandments than other people, that invalidates the law and renders it entirely idle. Remember the purpose of the law. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. What was the purpose of the law? We've already read it once. Paul concluded the purpose of the law was that every mouth be stopped and that all the world become guilty before God. So if I take the law in self-righteousness and I justify myself by the law, I am invalidating. I'm making the commandment of God of none effect. But the Lord, He didn't come to destroy. He says in Matthew 5, in that same Sermon on the Mount, verse 17, Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So faith does not invalidate the law of God. It validates it. Because the law's purpose was that I would be guilty. And by coming to Christ in faith, you know what I'm admitting? That I'm guilty and I've got no hope by my own works. Christ came not to take the law away that man wouldn't be bad anymore, but that the law of God would be established and that man could fully realize just how sinful that he was. How sinful was man? Remember in Romans 3, just above where we looked, to declare, I say, his righteousness. And again in the next verse, to declare his righteousness. How sinful was man that in order for him to be justified, Christ had to be sacrificed and Christ had to suffer. Christ had to die that man could be right with God. You know what that does? That establishes the law. That God is not going to allow a single transgression to pass by His judgment. Not one sin is going to skirt the judgment of God. The only way for man to be right is in Christ Jesus. Christ paid for the sins of mankind. But if I'm outside of Christ and I've got one transgression... That's got to be paid for. It's got to be dealt with. Sin can't be ignored. The law has been established in James 2. Now this is New Testament. In James 2 verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You've heard that many times. Does that sound like the law's done away with? Sounds like it's established and in full effect. And the law is there now to strip me of any righteousness that I may think that I have. I don't have any. 
But the law is there for that lie that's in my mind. It's there to strip that away. How much righteousness does man have? By the law he's got none. And those that come to God for redemption in Christ Jesus, they are readily admitting that they cannot, they have not, nor will they ever be able to meet the standard of the law of God. They'll never be able to attain righteousness by the law of God. And therefore, they are entrusting the work of Christ as their propitiation for the forgiveness of their sins and for them to be justified with God. So the law, not being side-skirted, The law is not being rendered idle. The law has been established and I'm admitting that I cannot stand up to the righteousness of the law. Do we make void the law through faith? The law's not voided. It's not failed to the earth. Heaven and earth will pass before one jot or one tittle of the law shall fail. The law still needs to be preached today. The law still needs to be taught Because it's the law that reveals the sin that Christ came to pay for. It's the law that brings man to a place that he's without hope except in Christ alone. It's the law. The law is established. It's not done away. So chapter 4. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. Now here, we've seen this. We've seen it happen here. We've seen this happen here. So you start talking about works and somebody says, what about Abraham? He was justified by works. Well, that's the question that God answers next. What's Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So then... If Abraham's works is what brought justification to him, then does Abraham not have something that he could glory in? But notice this now. If it was works, and if Abraham did have something to glory, it's still thrown in there but not before God. There's nothing that man can glory of himself before God. You might stand to me and say, look what good I've done. But when I'm before God, I won't say a word about what good I've done. No, the foolishness and the carnal mind will be burnt up by then. And I'm going to be seeing the truth. I'm going to see just what I really am. And without Christ Jesus, there will be no hope. There will be no mercy. Now, I realize this. In James chapter 2, and there's there's no contradiction. We've covered this previously. But in James chapter 2, you've got it worded like this. Verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith, made perfect. So here in James it looks like 
There's cooperation with God for salvation. Now that's on the surface. That's reading it quickly. But I promise that what James says will line up perfectly with what Paul says. We've got to understand the words. What's James talking about in chapter 2? A man that says he has faith and his life has no evidence of faith. We all know you get a picture in your mind of what I'm saying. We've, we've all got it in our family. Somebody that says, yeah, I've been saved. And they've got no interest in God nor the church and they live in sin. No evidence of salvation. Now is that salvation? No. So what James is talking about is Abraham had faith and his works was evidence, was proof of the faith that the man already had. But we read in Genesis chapter 15. Now see, he's talking in James about offering Isaac. But in Genesis 15 now, Isaac has not been born here. You can read Genesis 14, 15, 16. And you can see when Isaac is born. But here there is no Isaac. There's no Ishmael either. Abraham's childless. And in Genesis 15, verse number 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now there's your verse of justification for Abraham. It was not when he offered Isaac that he was justified because he did something. He was justified here because he believed in what the Lord said. Now that's plain. It was before Isaac was born. So you see, James is talking about something different than what people assume that he's talking about. Now, Abraham did go offer Isaac. And you know what that did? That proved to me and you just how much Abraham believed God in his heart. But Abraham was justified here before he ever done anything. That's the Word of God. So back to Romans then. If Abraham were justified by works, he would have whereof to glory. So in Joshua 24, let's think about what Abraham could boast about. Joshua 24, verse number 2. Listen carefully. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, 
and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So what did Abraham have to boast in? Well, this is just a quick little history. He lived away from God, serving idols, until God plucked him out of there and God led him through Canaan, and God gave him Isaac. This was the work of God. Does Abraham have anything to boast of? Not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Simple, ain't it? Well, Abraham was justified by his works. Well, what's the Scripture say? That's what he says here. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So that's where we just looked in Genesis. The Bible tells me that Abraham believed what the Lord was saying and God justified him. That word imputed, you you read that, reckoned. It's that transferal of righteousness. It's God, when he's looking at Abraham's manifest, when he's looking at Abraham's account information and he sees that he lacks righteousness, God moves his righteousness onto Abraham's account. So that God declared Abraham righteous because he believed him. Now that's what God does for man today. Man that believes in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ Through faith, remember faith, the drawing of God, the work of the Spirit, the hearing, not with the ear but in the heart, all manifested and brought about by the hand of God. When they believe God and the work of Christ, God justifies them by faith without the deeds of the law. Abraham believed God and it was counted for righteousness. In 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So when Paul's looking in Romans for an answer to this question, he says, what's the Scripture say? What saith the Scripture? The Scripture ought to be the last answer and the final authority on everything. Well, I've always believed this. Well, what's the Scripture say? If the Scripture does not line up with what I've always believed, then I ought ought to throw it out willingly and say, I'm going to believe what the Scripture says. If I'm going to stand in opposition to what the Bible says, then look what I'm up against. It's foolish. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of the Scripture himself, when he's answering a question, he says, what's the Bible say? All of this thinking... It's a lack of knowledge and understanding of what the Scripture really says. Remember, God said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People that don't know 
are teaching other people that don't know and nobody knows what the Scripture says. Well, the Scripture says that Abraham believed and God counted it to him for righteousness. And the Scripture says that God plucked him out of false God worship. And the Scripture says that God led him through Canaan's land. And the Scripture says that God gave him Isaac. And Abraham had nothing to do with any of it. God did that. So what can Abraham glory in? What can Abraham take credit for? He can credit and thank God for His works of redemption. You know what the church can say? Thank God that He saved us and called us out of a lifestyle that we're ashamed of today. I believe Abraham would have been ashamed of his lifestyle before God called him out of that place. Just as the church is today. There's nothing to boast in of ourselves. Look at the wickedness that we got ourselves in naturally. We were in wickedness. We were sinners. And God saved us out of that. And now... I'm going to have confidence in something I do? Silly, ain't it? God gets the glory. God gets the credit. So we'll look. We've got a little while left. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So I've got a lot of scripture with this and we don't have time. But let's just look at the definitions and we'll dig into this next time. So to him that worketh to toll as a task or an occupation to be engaged with. So those that are actively working and laboring <clears throat> as an occupation for their justification is the reward. So the reward is the pay for service, not reckoned of grace. So we know what grace is, that divine influence in the inward man, its reflection in the life, also means graciousness, gratuity, that that is unearned and unmerited. So if those that work and that labor, receive a reward, a pay for service, it's not of grace. If I'm being justified because I'm living right, then it's not because it's a free gift or by grace, but it's because I've earned it and God's paying me what I've earned. Just to say it like that shudders my mind. But that's what those trusting in works are saying, that God's going to pay me for my service. That when I get to heaven, I'm going to get a crown, and I'm going to get rewarded, and I'm going to get a big mansion, because God's going to pay me for what I've done for Him down here. It's not of grace, no. That's of debt. But to him that worketh not, 
but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. To have faith in, upon, or with respect to, to credit, or to entrust. So those that aren't working for justification, but they are instead entrusting and crediting their uh, sin and their debt to Christ. His faith is counted for righteousness. So there's two means then, and we'll look at Scripture next time. If we're going to be justified by works, then God's going to pay us what we're owed. What's God owe you? Is there any justification there? Any way for me to be right? No, I mean everywhere we read in the book, this gift is by grace. It's a free gift. He justifies us freely. It's not payment for anything I've done. The problem and what I'm being saved from is the payment for what I've already done. The payment that I'm owed is destruction, death, and hell. He's saving me from that. And I'm getting rewarded not with what I've done, but I'm rewarded with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not of debt, but it's by faith through grace. That's an important word here. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. We'll look at that next time. But think about that saying. Who's being justified? What's the Scripture say who is being justified? The good people? The moral? The religious? The Bible reading people? God's justifying the ungodly. Paul said, Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And we believe and are sure that that's why He came. That sinners could be saved. All hearts and minds clear. Anything you'd like to say or add?